Leader Talk. 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 Hi everyone. My name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week, we are meeting with incredible leaders from around the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this talk show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose, to give back to small and medium business owners. As business owners, many of us will agree that growing our business in both size and profits is one of our main challenges. The question is, how do we do this? Is there a secret recipe? Well, today, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Arianto, and I are fortunate to chat to our guest speaker, Trent Lyons, CEO of Access to Place Housing and previous owner of Keith Timber and Hardware in South Australia. Trent is here today to share his secret recipe for building a successful and profitable business. Welcome to the show, Trent. Thanks, Natalie. Great to be here. Nice to see you too, Gus. Thank you. Thank you for donating your time for our audience all over the world, Trent. Great, thank you. Trent, before we begin our chat, we have two fun questions and we always ask our guests two fun questions. So the first one we want to ask you is, what has been your favourite family holiday? Yeah, great question, Natalie. Um, had some great trips to, to, to Europe with a very young family, but um, our favourite spot is actually going to Noosa in Queensland. We've, we've been there three times as a, a family with our kids as, as babies, like literally you know, a few months old. Um, we've got our next trip planned in September, so we we love getting away from the cold Adelaide winters and, and enjoying the, the sunshine and the beaches and national park of the of the, the, the Sunshine Coast. So that's our that's our favourite destination for sure. Oh, lovely! Fantastic. Is it cold in um, Adelaide now? Yes, very. Yeah, <laughs> cold. It's sunny today, but uh, we've had a lot of rain this winter, um, which which is great for the um, the rural economy. Um, but yes, winters are cold. Cold mornings, cold nights. Yeah, it's been cold in Sydney as well. I'm sure in Melbourne, Gus, it's definitely been <laughs> yeah. Cold. Oh, it's raining now. It's raining now. <laughs> so cold is my friend. And Trent, your favourite superhero and why? Oh, favourite superhero, um, Superman. I love Superman. Just the, his um, agility. Yeah, it's you, Gus. <laughs> um, the super. He's just a true superhero in every sense of the word. So um, someone I probably always wanted to be when I was a, a little kid growing up. So um, and, and part of me still today, probably for that matter. Yeah, it's funny, uh, when I speak to children today, they reckon Superman is the weakest compared to every other superheroes available today uh, in the comic, where for me, Superman is the one superhero uh, that I still like. If there is any Superman movie coming out, I will definitely watch it. It's funny. I think we're getting old, Trent. Yes, (laughs) we are. Not not getting, we are. (laughs) We are old, (laughs) exactly. Oh, look, and John, before we go into the questions, we're hoping you can tell us a bit more about yourself and also your businesses so we can understand who Trent is and also the businesses that you used to run and the one that you run now. Sure, yeah, thanks, Natalie. Um, I guess in my, my work and life, I've had three three different careers. I've started out with Westpac um, in the retail banking um, environment for 12 years, um, both in South Australia and, and Northern Territory. Um, I was looking for a change at the time um, in the early 2000s, so, so bought into the, the Keith Timber and Hardware business, um, which was a small timber yard located in Keith, which is two and a half hours out of Adelaide. Um, 16 staff at the time. The business was looking to um, um, expand and and bought a business in Murray Bridge, which was closer to Adelaide. I literally finished with the bank um, on a Friday and started in a a dusty old timber yard that was was going broke at the time down in Murray Bridge. Um, And we we slowly over a 16-year period um, grew the business both in terms of sales, revenue, staffing and and, and profitability, more more important, Um, very much in a sustainable manner. Um, um, We took our time. We probably could have grown a lot faster and a lot bigger if if we'd chosen that path, but we were very mindful of being sustainable. That was something that was one of our mantras, if you like, almost an unofficial mantra. We we didn't do it just for the sake of growth. We we, we wanted to be um, both profitable financially um, and and bring our staff along the journey. We were very fortunate to have have a lot of great staff who came with the business, with the one we bought, um, and, and people who, who came with us along the journey. 
and, and they were fantastic contributors to the growth of the, the organisation. Uh, in 2019, um, the year before COVID, we, we found out about COVID, we were approached at uh, if we wanted to sell the, the organisation. Um, I, was, I had two partners and I was pretty keen to, to retain the business, to be honest, at the, at the initial inquiry. Um, and the two other partners were, um, were more keen to sell and, and once we sort of understood the numbers and the, the long-term future of what we were planning to do, um, we, we agreed to sell pretty quickly. The offer was very attractive um, and so we sold that business um, in 2019 and then for the last year and a half, I've been working for a not-for-profit community housing provider. Um, I was previously a board member um, in a voluntary capacity for five and a half years um, and then joined the organisation in, in a CEO capacity. Um, so completely three completely different um, work environments over the, over the period, the current one being a not-for-profit disability housing provider, um, lots of um, relations with the government, both at federal and, and state government level, um, and a whole different sector. So it's been a... Um, different, unusual path, I suppose, at this point. Um, still relatively young in working times. Uh, um, so look, looking forward to um, embracing this this career and um, making a difference. Trent, can I just ask, you mentioned, you know, growing the business in a sustainable manner. You know, sometimes we talk about sustainability, and I said this to Gus, you know, we think of the environment and things like that. But just for our listeners out there, what exactly do you mean by growing the business in a sustainable manner? Yeah, sure. So I've seen a lot of businesses, um, and our business has timber and hardware. We predominantly supplied timber and building materials to, to builders, and that and predominantly those were, were residential builders. And we, I've seen a lot of builders particularly um, really expand in busy times, and there's been a, a huge building boom in South Australia and across the country over the last 12 months or so. Um, and you can see a lot of them um, are growing for the sake of growing. It, it's easy to, to sign up new new. Um, clients in their case, new contracts, um, but they probably don't um, in a lot of cases see um, or understand the costs of doing the business and, and materials are rising, labour costs are rising, so they don't see, have a full handle of their business, so they're, they're growing for the sake of their turnover. We, we didn't have that focus. We wanted to make sure we remained um, profitable, sustainable and incrementally, incrementally growing our business. So I was always very mindful that I didn't want to have to put off staff um, because we'd run out of business, that we'd we'd, we'd have a, a slow a slow patch or a downturn where we couldn't we didn't have the the numbers um, coming through the front door to keep all the staff on. So we actually pushed our staff. As a result, of that pushed our staff pretty hard in a lot of cases, and, and I expected a lot of them. Um, but that contributed to the success of the company because we, they, you know, in a funny way, it engendered loyalty because we we, we looked after our staff reasonably well. I, I consider, um, and they they returned that in spades um, in their loyalty. In, in digging deep when the, when the time came, so the sustainability was the staff was a big factor. Um, really working hard with our suppliers to keep the cost down, both from the material sense and external providers like logistics and IT and, and, and other other um, service providers. So it, it was really keeping a really close eye on the business over a long term, not just the the, the fun stuff or the easy stuff or the stuff which we're there for, but having a lot of um, best way to describe it is having a real handle over all drivers of the business I think was very important for the, the long-term success and sustainability of the organisation. Uh, is that mean trend when you talk about that, that time to time you have to say no to opportunity because the business might not be ready? It is definitely. Um, I guess in, in part of that, Gus, um, I've always found relationships as, as well on the, the key drivers for the business. And if you can have if you can call your customers a partner and have a strong relationship with those customers, it become it has a whole different dynamic to the to the organization and, and that relationship with that customer. So if you have a partnership. Um, whereas if you have a customer who who regards you as solely a supplier and have you got the best price today, that is really hard to to have to develop a relationship with that customer, and it, in general, in my experience, it doesn't become sustainable, um, and thereby, or as a result of that, is not a profitable customer to have. Um, it's great for turnover; they might have large volumes coming through, 
Um, so it can underpin the business in, in different ways, but it doesn't really add anything to the bottom line. And if you don't have anything on your bottom line as net profit, after all your costs, you can't reinvest back into your business, which is which ties in with the sustainable comments earlier. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I guess then how my next question would be uh, creating, you know, we have relationships with customers. How do you actually create a partnership with a customer? Is there something, how do we actually get to that level? Because that, I mean, what you said, having call your customer a partnership, call it a partnership, it's really effective, isn't it, Gus? You know, when you look at it that way, but how do you reach that partnership? How do you get there? Is there or maybe before, before you, maybe before you answer that trend, what is the three, you know, everyone want to call their customer a partner. Absolutely. Right? Every business want to call it. In your opinion, though, what is the top three element before someone can say they are our partner? Mm. Um, well, the, the, the key um, areas I looked at was uh, having a personal relationship with those, the key principles of, the, of that business, the, the builder in this case, being able to add value to their business and being able to um, add cost efficiencies probably is, is the as a timber supplier, was probably the three key elements that I tried to understand and develop into the, the relationship with those, those customers. Um, so it might not necessarily have the, the cheapest timber price today. Um, over the long term or even a 12-month period, you had consistently good competitive pricing. That was very important. That, that's almost uh, you know a given that you will have um, consistent pricing. But I think a lot of builders and the ones who were were um, interested in having that engagement at that level, they could understand that someone would come in any day of the week and offer a better price than what we put in, in yesterday. Um, that they wouldn't, that those key um, loyal customers or partners wouldn't be spooked by that. They, they knew that people would come in and try to buy their business because of the, the size and the scale that they had. But if we could add value to their, their business and their relationship by being innovative, um, working with them on different design techniques, um, introducing them to other suppliers or partners or, or builders interstate, for example, where they could, could um, learn from as well and develop different building techniques or different materials or different designs. Um, all of those little pieces, those value add, really set yourself apart from someone who's just trying to sell another truckload of timber on, on Friday morning. Um, so, so that's something which I really encourage and, and worked hard to to develop the rapport with those builders. And sometimes it can happen really easily and sometimes it can take several years to, to get to that level. Um, and as we grew, we, we, we um, ended up employing quite a number of, of sales representatives or account managers, as I like to call them, and to try to impress them onto that part was was also difficult from our end as a, as a as an organisation and for the staff to, to invest that time into that relationship with those individuals um, within it wasn't just the builder or the owner of the builder. It went all the way through their 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 chain as well, from their accounts team to their estimators to their construction managers to their site supervisors. You had to have levels of engagement with all of those players within their within their organisation to be able to have a really strong um, relationship and, and partnership. You mentioned relationships and partnerships quite a bit, and I just wanted to ask. As, as a business owner, relationship building and networking, how important is that, do you think, for business owners? I think it's fundamentally one of the, the key key objectives any any business owner owner should have. Uh, in my experience, in the in the two fields that I've when I've been running or, or managing businesses, um, you, you learn so much from from your networks first and foremost. Um, being new in, uh, to my role, access to place, and new into the industry in the sector, both housing and, and from the disability point of view, um, I've had a lot to learn. So, in, engaging with your networks, um, developing mentors. Um, I think is, is so important. If you if you don't put the time aside to, to work on that, it's a bit like putting time um, working on the business rather than in the business. If you don't put time into yourself to improve yourself um, and, and develop those networks and, and leverage from them, um, you really struggle. I think in the in the even in the medium term, um, you might get by in the short term, but your medium to long term, you, you won't have those networks to support you in the times that you, you really need them. Yeah, and they always say, you know, we've had a few chats to some leaders, Gus, and they always say, you know, surround yourself with like-minded people as well to help. Would you agree with what they're saying? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think it's good to have like-minded. I guess that you probably take that a couple of different ways. Like-minded in the in similar industries, so you, you can feel the pain points that when 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 there's um, when the sector has has tough times and and experience the the um, the good times together as well. Um, I, I like having a diversity of of networks and people who are quite different to me as a person or. Or have um, you know in the involved in the industry, but in a different sector, so you can you can trade different ideas off, and you, you're not sort of competing over the same patch all the time. Um, it's very lucky and fortunate in this in the community housing sector. There's not that peer-to-peer competitive pressure. Um, there probably is against the um, the for-profit providers, which is different to us being a not-for-profit or, or for-purpose providers. Um, but having that diversity and that range of um, networks is really important i think as well it does just um bring a different element to your thinking and that that's really important to get that approach and i i encourage that within our own team have a diversity of views if there's two or three people working on an issue or a problem or, or an idea or a solution you, you should and you will come up with a better solution than if it's just one person me as the ceo um, I can't come up with all the great ideas. Um, probably don't come up with enough. But as as a team, as a group, we can we can do that a lot better than than any one individual. So Trent, can I just put a question here? Uh, you know, sometimes uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking. You know, we we as a leader talk, we're bringing insights uh, from different CEOs, different business owners, from different industries. Uh, if I'm a cafe, uh, if if I'm a cafe owner today, and I'm building my network with a CEO of a building company, for example, totally different business. Can I learn from each other? Can can they learn from each other when a totally different business, in your opinion? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, the cafe owner is obviously is dealing with customers every every minute of their day, hopefully, uh, within their staff so that they're having a lot of engagement, a lot of brief engagement. But um, a great cafe owner will get to know his customers by name. He'll know what coffee they're going to order. He'll know they'll be in at 7.30 in the morning and having his skinny latte or, or the, you know, chocolate croissant or whatever the case is, Gus. Um, whereas with a building owner, their engagement with their customers is a lot over a longer period, but it might only be once. And it's really important that they spend the time to get to know that customer early in the piece and understand what, what is important to them and then tailor their needs to, to, to suit that customer um, and deliver the, the end product. So if they don't understand that customer right at the start and don't understand what they like, that they like European appliances or pink walls or, or whatever the case is, um, that they won't deliver the product that the customer is looking for. So I think that's that's vitally important that the, the two industries could, could share and trade ideas um, both ways. Lovely, lovely. I want I want to change the topic a bit to some leadership matter. Uh, as you've been running business and you have people working for you, if you look at the time today where there's a lot of uncertain times, you know the world is uncertain. Uh, it doesn't matter what business you are running today. What do you think the best leadership style today that that can bring your business to success? Um. I'm a big, big advocate of transparency. Um, you need to be open. You need to have direct conversations. Um, and today, in the last two or three years with COVID, you need to be adaptable and flexible. Um, but transparency really um, is top of the list for me. Um, and that's across all your stakeholders, your staff, the board, the shareholders, whatever it may be. Um, and just be completely open. You know, If there is a problem, if there is a crisis, own the problem, consult widely, Work out what the, the the avenues that you've got to to address the problem um, or the issues, and, and and really work hard to to um, bring all stakeholders on on the journey to to where you want to go to achieve your goals. Um, if you haven't got that transparency, you often don't have the trust, or you don't you don't ha- you don't receive the honest feedback. Um, and like I said, the, you know, the CEO, the owner, the managing director, they, they don't have all the right answers all the time. But if you if you have if you're transparent and you have the open and direct feedback from your stakeholders, and that can be junior and senior staff, uh, um, the other shareholders, your networks, you, you won't get that that right feedback to 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 push the the organisation in, in the right direction. So having um, the intent of where you want to take the, the organisation, the strategic the strategic intent really. Um, is critical, and it's important that 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 all stakeholders are, um, 
involved are on the same journey, on the same path. So um, I come back to it, the transparency is just key to, to underpinning all of those all of those ideas. So how can you, uh, you will laugh next, I want to do this. So how can you come back to this statement it, when someone say, can you handle the truth? You know, being a transparent leader, we might have no profit this month or the next six months. Uh, to what level of transparency a leader? You know, I'm a cafe owner. I'm a kebab shop owner. I'm a mechanics. I'm a small business. You know, I might not get paid by my customer, which impact my ability to pay my staff next week, for example. You know, I'm losing sleep. I definitely lose sleep. Now, can you just give us a little bit more? What, what, how deep the transparency you're talking about? Uh, I probably just take an example, but in the context of can everyone handle the truth? You know, as a CEO, as a business owner, as a leader, you you are forced to accept the truth. But the people that work for you might not be able to handle that. Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it, Gus? Um, and that's something which we, we in both the organisations I've been involved with have, have um try to aspire for that, and we, you don't always get it right, for sure. But it's the, it's the culture that you develop. So if, if you've got a culture where you, you are asking the feedback um, and providing the feedback and being direct and honest and respectful um, and probably compassionate, I suppose. I mean, a lot of people use the word empathy. I'm probably more of the, the compassionate side of things. Um, but if you've got that culture where it is safe to provide that feedback, then I think you're a long way there to resolving that. And I think the way I look at things in that regard is I'd rather know now than a week's time or a month's time that we're not making money. Um, don't don't hide it from me now. Or don't, don't don't say yes, that's a great idea, but really think it's not a great idea, and then, then tell me tell me later on that that it hasn't wasn't a good idea and we shouldn't have done it because of X Y Z. So um, it really comes down to the culture of what you're trying to build and. You have to have the hard conversations. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's, it's business. It's not not all. It's not all, all um, beer and champagne. It's it's, it's hard work. So, um, and things don't go right. Things come from left field. No one saw COVID coming in 2019. Um, we were very fortunate to be able to sell our timber business um, in pre-COVID times. Um, had it been six months later, we, we'd probably still be the owner of that business and now struggling with timber supplies and material supplies and everything else. So. Um, which that would be fine. We, we, we would have just, you know, rolled with the punches and, and adapted to, to suit that. But we, we we were lucky we didn't have to do that. Lucky, fortunate um, in that situation. But you, you really need to um, spend the time with your staff staff and all your stakeholders when you don't need them. I remember one of my mentors told me that um, quite a few years ago. Spend the time with the people when you don't need them. So when you do need them, they'll pick up the phone and, and help you out or, or or have a cup of coffee with you. Um, and that's something which um, I probably don't do enough. Um, probably not, maybe none, none of us do, do that enough, but um, it's really important, I think, to, to work with those people all the time and keep bouncing ideas off and, and asking how they're going as well. Um, so I think that's, a, that's probably how I'd best answer that question, Gus. Well, it was a brilliant question, Gus, and I think, you know, even just how you answered it, Trent, it goes to show that transparency is really important and, you know, it's something that people aspire to and business owners aspire to, but it also is hard to be transparent. So it's not an easy thing to do. Like, like when you mentioned, you know, if profits aren't good or you're not able to pay the pay your workers, having those conversations, that's really tough as a business owner. So definitely great. Um what about as a business owner, Trent, what have you learnt in that as a business owner, uh, what have you learned as a leader in the context of managing a business itself? What's the main key takeaway that you can share with our listeners? Mm. Um, the, the main takeaway, I think, communication. I think that's the, that's one of the fundamental um, things. I used that word earlier, but um, as as the leader, you're you're the spokesman, you're the figurehead, you're the, you're the face of the organisation to all your stakeholders. And once again, that's to, to the staff, to the board, to the shareholders, um, and then then de- then through to the suppliers and, and service providers. So um, we, we sometimes forget as leaders to to bring in everyone along on the journey. Um, and I know in in that um, Keith Timber days, we, we had some really busy periods. As I said, we. 
we were often slow deliberately to bring on more staff and more resources as the business was growing and expanding and we we're pushing everyone harder and sometimes you know without even really consideration that we we're pushing them harder just we had more customers and then there's more there's more jobs to put out more designing more accounts more more, more deliveries to do and you, you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and you need to remind yourself to, to stop and bring everyone along the journey. This is what's happened. We've picked up a new custom. We, we, things have changed. This is the way we're doing it now. Um, and sometimes you forget to do that because um, you're just so busy and you just think that everyone knows what you're thinking or understands what you're, you're doing. But they're there, you know, as a as, a, as an employee, as, as a wage earner, um, they're not as, maybe not as fully invested into the business as you as the owner is. So it's really important to take stock um, and to have those conversations and keep communicating that, and and even with with, with my organisation now, um, access to place, we've we've made some improvements as the way I call them call them, and I found because um, relatively new, you know, less than two years old since I've been there, is we need to continually and remind our, ourselves and our stakeholders of the direction of the company and where we want to take them. And it's not just enough to have a staff meeting on a Tuesday morning and say, this is what we're doing now. You need to continually remind that and using the same consistent language to reinforce the, the views of the organisation. So, Trent, if we were to flip that then on the other side, what qualities do you think may be lacking amongst leaders of uh, today's leaders. We've spoken about the, you know, the great qualities, but what about, is there anything you think is lacking and perhaps anyone that has these qualities should kind of reconsider? Mm. From what I see, I, I sometimes wonder whether people um, really understand their industries, and that might sound a bit harsh, but they, they probably I see a lot of people don't sort of look to the future and it's probably only three to five, maybe ten years out and everyone's very much – because everyone's so busy, they're always focused on today, what's happening today, what's happening next week, maybe next month, but they're not really long-term planning and and making some bold decisions about where they want to take their – their business in their industry over the over that medium term sort of future, um, and, and that takes some time out, outside of your, your daily work and, and really analysing the industry, talking to your stakeholders again, talking to your other shareholders, your your, your other partners, um, people who you respect in the industry, um, and as a small to medium enterprise, and Keith Timber was was quite small in those early days, and we probably became a medium size enterprise towards the end, but. We spent a lot of time talking to to similar organisations interstate where there was no fear of competitive pressures, and and we were part of the, the Mitre Ten um, group, which had, it was a national chain, um, all independently owned. But it was really good to share ideas with that about where the future was, and we often come away a little bit disheartened as well because they're such big markets and so much volume of work in in, the, in their markets compared to to South Australia. But it, it gave us a chance to sit down as a as um, around our boardroom, if you like, where there was, there was two other partners, three of us in total, and really think about where we wanted to take the business. And, and that's where, where we grew our business from a little t- little timber yard and hardware store in Keith to a, a, a larger timber yard in Murray Bridge and then expanding into into Adelaide and, and, and Narricourt as well. So we end up with seven sites um, across South Australia. But we had to make some bold decisions, but they were reasonably calculated. We, we didn't lose money on the on the way through or any you know huge startup costs we start off quite small and um you know thin carpets as as they say in the in the offices and really you know um dusty sort of timber yards rather than nice clean concrete and tilled up panels it was it was quite you know um, humble beginnings um but we knew where we wanted to take the organization so it was being bold calculated risk and then once you make that decision you really got to embrace and bring everyone along the journey with you. Um, and that goes back to my, the, the previous part of the conversation. If you don't bring everyone along with you and why you're doing things, the why is the key part. I never really understood that for a long time, but you explain why you're doing things. People go, okay, I get it. I might not agree with you, but I get it and I'm, I'm on the bus with you. But if you don't have those continued reminders and communication and consistent messaging, it, it all falls away and you can have the best timber yard in the world, um, but if you haven't got people on board with you, it's not going to work. So that's that's the um, that's the part I see um, and see and it probably disappoints in some way. You see some business that got some great ideas and some great resources, but they don't put them to use or don't forward think about where they want to take take their business. 
business and the way the industry is evolving and how they can be part of that industry in the future. You know, earlier earlier in the piece, Trent, uh, you said that, uh, you know, diversity of network, uh, if you are open enough, create growth in your mindset. A cafe owner can sit down with a building, uh, you know, a, a CEO of a building company because people are people, you know, the cafe owner will be talking about to the customer in the morning, what type of latte, what type of coffee. Yet, similarly, the CEO of a building companies will talk to the customer about what type of carpets, what type of bench top, and the way you approach people are equally the same. If most people wake up in the morning drinking coffee, so if you're able to approach someone to understand what they like as a business, whether you are a cafe, whether you are a, a small builder, whether you are a mechanic, you have the art of handling your customer. Then you also say that one thing that lacking is the fact that people don't really spend the time to understand the industry so they can have a forward thinking. And when I put two and two together, what you basically said is, hey, when you run a business, when you are working in the business, make sure you put the time to get out from your business to talk because otherwise uh, you will not be relevant because the industry might go to the left. You know, uh, you know, maybe people in the region no longer like noodles because everyone start to eat kebabs, for example. And then if you are a noodle shop in the region, then you will be bankrupt, for example, just because you're not actually visiting the community groups, talking to people around, understanding the changing of the landscape of the migration where the people that used to be living there, all the Asian people that live there is moving to another region and a lot of Greeks community coming in that probably love kebabs more. So man, I, I can, is, is that the context that you want to Yeah, I, I, I love the analogies there, Gus, um, and I know how much you love your food, so it's great that you really brought the, brought the noodles and kebabs in there. Um, I, it's, it's, to, it's totally that. It's that. It's the. Um, it's yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a daily ongoing focus group, almost, isn't it? Like it, as a, especially as a builder, and I'm, and I'm not a builder, but um, they they have their display homes open on you know every day of the week or Sundays, especially when families go through there, and they could be understanding the market every day, getting feedback every day, and that's just so important for that for their future direction of their business. That people move from laminate bench tops to stone bench tops, or, or whatever the case is, and they can then factor that into their into their future plans and designs and uh, as they go forward. But if that if they're not having the longer term view that people are now, for example, um, more energy efficiency focused or are concerned than they were five or ten years ago, they're not d- planning on having seven star ratings, etc. Well, that, that might miss out on the um, the future growth and direction of, of that industry. So. It's really important to, to take yourself out of today and think about where you're going to be, where the industry is going to be in five or ten years' time and, and adapt your business to, to that. Um, if you don't, you, you get left behind. And um, there's been lots of examples that at a small level in, in small to medium businesses and, and in large corporates like you know, um, organisations like IBM, for example, and, um, and Kodak are the other ones that often get mentioned in, in, some, in articles. That they just didn't see, the, didn't see the change coming when Microsoft and Apple were, were around. And that's on a lot larger scale, obviously, than we're really talking here today. But it's the same principles apply. If, if, you, don't, if you don't look looking ahead what's around the corner um, and have some contingency in play or, or, or trialling and doing some research, um, you, you're really struggling. So I think that's um, crucially important as a business owner, um, especially in today's world where we can type something into Google and find out what, what's happening over in you know, the other side of the world within you know, seconds. Um, previous generations didn't have that advantage or luxury or, or um, the, the negative side of it as, as if you're already in, in, in the industry. Back to back to the topic, uh, you know, when you uh, when Natalie started the podcast about uh, how do we create a sustainable grow growth in our business while maintaining our profitability? When we talk about business trend, uh, business related to competitor, every business, you know, it's funny. Um, uh, when we talk about business, we thought our ideas are the only ideas. Then you realize when you started, there's a million similar business around you. Uh, how do you c- 
create growth, profitable growth when you have major competitor and competition around the corner. And when we talk about competition, people are always talking about price, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, so at Keith Timber, we, we didn't want to be the price leader, if you like. So it wasn't about having the cheapest price. And I talked about that earlier. It was more about having that relationship with the builder. I keep coming back to the relationship and the partnership. If you, if you have a, a good solar relationship across the organisation that you're dealing with, your customer, that, that that's the key part. And and really, the, the, in my experience, the builders are looking after efficiencies, reliable service. They expected your price to be at the pointy end, especially the, the larger the larger customer. Um, the smaller customers, the price was still important, but probably the service was was was, was a bigger factor because they were a small a smaller team, and they really did require that the materials there on the day the day that that they required. Because if they did it, they had no no work to do because they only might have had one or two jobs on the go. Whereas a larger builder would have multiple sites, you know, d- dozens of sites potentially on the go. So the service wasn't as critical, it's still important, obviously. And you, you never want to let anyone down in terms of delivery. Uh, the, the value add was, was critically important and it was hard to do and as a timber supplier. I mean, everyone, look, it's, there was low barriers of entries to be a timber supplier. You can, you can set up an account with timber wholesalers pretty easily and, and supply timber to builders. But to, to value add in terms of estimating, designing, new products, new, new ways to design that, that the house in terms of, of timber and building materials, and sometimes those things might actually reduce reduce the amount of timber you're supplying to the builder but you're providing a better service to the to the customer and for the greater good you get a better relationship and a better long-term outcome with that customer so um and one and then the other part was really the efficiencies if you could you could make it efficient for them and it might be not in dollars but it might be in time if you could produce your quote in two weeks rather than four weeks that means they could um, submit to council earlier or get the approval from their customer earlier. It, it was those type of things too that you, if you found out what was important to the builder, and often it, it was all of those things, but if there's something that really stood out um, that was important to the builder, you focus on that and work your systems around to, to, to make it uh, beneficial for, the, for your customer which then in turn becomes beneficial to you because you, you're tying that customer into you longer as a, in terms of loyalty. Um, and then naturally, if you continue that and, and prove yourself in a genuine, fair income is the, the term I used to call, prove to your customer your fair income and um, have, have um, the, the right outlook and the right approach to their, to their needs. You have you you gain a greater penetration as well with with getting more of more of their share um, of work into your organisation than someone else's. So Trent, for our listeners that are uh, that are listening at the moment, and you know they they want to grow, they may be doing it tough. They're not sure what the next steps are. What is your advice? Do you would you say to them? take that moment to actually pull, devise a business plan. Some businesses don't even have a plan. They haven't even thought that, you know, they've gone straight into running a business. What would be be your advice to them? Is it starting from that planning stage to understand everything around them, their strengths, their weaknesses, you know, all those things that we need to discuss? (laughs) Yeah, business planning is is critically important. Um, At Keith Timber, we we tried to, uh, we, we, we always had a business plan or a strategic plan we didn't use them really well. Um, there was definitely years where we, we spent a lot of time on them or some time on them, probably a lot is, is exaggerating a little bit. Um, but then we'd spend the time, we'd you know, approve it if you like and end up in the bottom drawer and we'd pull it out in 12 months' time and go, okay, let's do our strategic plan again because we said we'd do it again in March. Uh, we didn't really use it as a living, breathing document. Um, in my current role, Access to Place, we spent – first six months of this year really working on the direction of the organisation and where we want to go um, and that's really proving beneficial. So um, I think the key message for, for small and medium business and this probably coming back to my, my Keith Timber days is it doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be glossy PowerPoint or fancy brochures like you see um, large organisations do and, and try to keep it simple to one page. What, what is the strategic direction? Put it down to two or three or, or no more than four pillars of where you really want to take the organisation. Work out some key key metrics and KPIs that relate to those those few pillars and, and put the, the 
the, the fundamental part, the most important part to really keep you focused on is then having some the, the annual plan, as I call them, all the activities on how you're going to deliver those strategic um, objectives um, and, and, and look at them on a monthly basis. And that's what we've been doing in my current role for the last six months. And, and it, it's hard to do. It's really hard to, to get everything down to, to one page or a few sentences on, on a lot of discussion. But it then keeps you focused on where you want to take take the organisation because it's so easy to get distracted. You know, someone rings you up and I've got this opportunity, you could set up this, you buy this, you could start on this tomorrow or whatever the case is, um, start selling kebabs rather than noodles. Um, but if that's not what you're, what you're there for, you, you won't do it well and it will detract from what you should be doing. So I think that's the, the, the key message I take from you know, strategic plans or business plans is it does keep you focused and, and it makes sure that all your stakeholders are, are aligned and have a common purpose of where you want to where you're going as an organization um, if you if you don't have that it becomes a bit of a ramshackle where where you where you're heading and you eventually lose people along the way as in you lose people their the engagement whether it's the staff or the suppliers or, or your other other stakeholders so um I couldn't couldn't agree more or vouch more that that a business plan is is, is crucially important for for any business size or shape um, in that regard. Uh, you know, Trent, I I like when you said uh, as a business, don't worry to be fancy, and that's actually more than just a fancy in creating plans. That's also included. Uh, you know, uh, for example, you know, uh, I like eating noodles. I go to different noodle shop. One noodle shop trying to be fancy, uh, they put the best quality, uh, everything the best quality but the noodles, and the other shop have everything standard but a very, very good quality noodles, and the customer go to the right instead of going to the fancy stuff. You know, uh, and I always think that as a business owner, one thing that you can do is being lazy in understanding effectiveness and efficiency of your business you go to one restaurant and they just waste a lot of things they waste the, the amount of uh sous vide tissues plastic cups that they give to the customer they just don't care some other customer they're very very good in understanding hey if the people don't eat the chili don't give a bowl of chili because chili is expensive nowadays but as a restaurant no one talk about chili because chili is just an ingredient now, in business, is equally the same. And this is my question to you. As a small business, we don't have money as a large business in spending money on marketing, spending money on, on fancy stuff. But how do we compete with, uh, with the guy around the world, uh, around the corner that have the fancy stuff because they've been growing their business? If I'm a new timber yard located close to your timber back then which has become a very successful business i can't do what you do i can't take customer to las vegas i can i can i can do what you do how do i win in your opinion when my money is literally very limited mm. i think um the best way to probably answer that question from my perspective is is understanding your business um and, and know the detail and, and it's a fine line there because you, you can often um get in trouble with your staff if you become a micromanager as well but you need to be across the detail there's there's, there's no way no way to get around it. and as as a business owner i think most business owners would do that i think maybe some of them lose sight of it as they, as they go through their, their growth periods um that's probably fair to say um but we, we really and i always had the, the motto that more businesses go broke because of losing control of their costs rather than um, re reduction in sales or missing sales. So really keeping a really close eye on your, on your costs of doing your business. And, and you can't rely on your staff or even your finance team to, to do that, um, with all due respect to any all accountants out there. Um, you, you, you get them to do the, 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 the number crunching, but you, you need to say, oh, how much are we paying for our electricity? How much are we paying for the 
for the, for the coffees or how, how much are we put, putting into to XYZ. So it, it's really important to be across your costs and reviewing them consistently and, and looking for any any reduction or um, where you can and, and structuring deals with, with your suppliers. It might only be 1% or 2%, but that has a big effect over the course of a year, and especially as you're growing, that has an exponential effect on your, on your bottom line. So... Um, and then the other part about it is really understanding your processes and systems. You can you can find that, that staff um, and, and your stakeholders just become um, their processes and the way they do things becomes a habit and they don't look for the way of um, being more efficient or um, th- thinking of other ideas. And, and, and I've got no problem in, in someone trying something, experimenting, in changing a process or a system, how they do their daily chores. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. You can revert back to what you were doing last week, but at least give it a try and give it a, give it a reasonable chance to everyone get used to the new idea. Um, because if, if that once again just can save you five minutes or ten minutes or two days on, on a process as part of your, your normal routine business, that can have you know um, huge effects on 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 the way your, your business operates and your efficiencies, which you can do, which then in most cases transfers back to your customers and a happy customer is a, is, is vitally important. So um, that's where I would, you know, using your analogy of, of setting up a, a small timber yard next to, next to a larger one, um, being across those things, your cost of business and, and understanding your processes and continually looking to refine and improve um, those systems and processes. I think you, you can't do enough of that. You know, earlier this week, I just wanted to add to this when we're talking about, you know, cost of business and looking at refining processes, we went as a family to Korean barbecue and it was an all-you-can-eat buffet and their way of minimising costs on their end, which I love because I do not like seeing excessive food being wasted, I don't like seeing any food being wasted, was for every 100 grams you had left over, you were charged a surcharge of leftover food. So this avoided, you know, when you go to buffets and you see all those plates full of food. And it actually became a discussion at our dinner table because we looked at it, both my husband and I are business owners, but there were some business owners on the table as well. Very strategic decision from them to minimise costs, but it is also such a good thing from a customer end not to waste from someone like me who doesn't like wasting food so it was such a small change in the process but it was a you know a conversation starter it, I would go back again because it was a great way there was no wastage it was just a brilliant they really nailed it so just something simple like that it's it's not costing them anything if not they're actually making money on that but it was such an effective way to do it yeah, that's that's a fantastic. I, I haven't seen that at all, Natalie. So um, that's someone being very innovative and, and sort of stepping outside the, the square and going, how can we how can we be more efficient here? And um, it's a great, you know, it's it's an innovative um, idea. And it's, as you said, it was a conversation starter at, at the dinner table. So um, well done to that re- that restaurant. I, I would say the key is someone like what Trent said have to spend the time to understand the business. You know, the key is not to follow. Uh, another Korean barbecue, if they are a Korean barbecue and they have another Korean, it's not about copying someone. It's really understand the audience that come tend to waste the food. How do we actually reduce it? And I think the key that I like about what Trent's saying is really understand your business, really understand your audience, really understand the leakage caused by your business and be creative about it because you don't have to look bad by putting a rule that this actually makes sense. I mean, you know, you can go back as many. Yeah, you can eat as much. And on top of that, just to add to it, if you want, you could actually take that leftover food home once you've paid for your surcharge. So you're not actually, you know, like it's a, it's just a win-win. It's not frowned upon what they're doing. It's actually really innovative. As you said, Trent, it's just a brilliant idea. So as business owners, we've got to come up with those brilliant ideas, right? Yep. Exactly, and they don't have to be big and world changing. They can be something quite simple, and, and you know that wouldn't cost them anything to set up that idea. Um, and it's, it will prove to be very, very effective use of their their resources, if you like. So, um, and add, and add to their bottom line, which is which is Absolutely. important. Uh, just conscious of time, Gus. I'm actually going to hand over to you to wrap up the show. Thank you, uh, Trent. Once again, uh, we just would like to say thank you uh, for your time. I know you are very busy and you sharing your time. Uh, this is a non-commercial podcast. 
and you know any insights is an important insight for our audience so these are the key points that we take from you at the start you say do not grow for the sake of growing understand your business well create a strong foundation and have a sustainable growth for your size and your profit have a strong relationship with your customers is key relationship have to be more than knowing so it's not about just knowing your customer you need to be partner with your customer to have a sustainable business and for you to be a partner to your customer you need to be able to give value more than price you need to have some level of personal relationship grow your skill set by having diversity thought networks the cafe owner can sit down with a bankers can sit down with a mechanics can sit down with anyone else or can listen to a podcast to increase your your strategic capability in your thinking be a transparent leader is key uh, according to you but also be adaptable and flexible successful business create an environment where it is safe for people to give transparent feedback because as the owner we do not know it all we are not the one who serving the customer so if you have a feedback you will be able to fix your business but you need to create a safe environment i like this one actually as a leader spend the time with your staff when you do not need them so when you need them they are ready for you and pick up the phone planning is important invest in the strategic planning but be disciplined in executing your plan uh trend thank you again uh for the insights uh we wish you well and successful for your business and uh on, on behalf of leader talk thank you so much thank you gus for those kind words and, and you too natalie um I really enjoyed this. I was probably a little bit apprehensive um, settling into the the conversation today, but it's it's been really um, therapeutic as well, I guess. And it's a chance for, um, as an individual myself, to sit back and think about the journey and where where I've been and, and come from and and where the future is. So it's 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 been a, very much a two way um, learning today. So I um, really appreciate it and. Um, all the best for your future podcast. Thank you so much, Trent. I know I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have as well. So thank you very much. And thank you everyone for tuning in. For more information on Leader Talk and for some great resources to help your business grow, check out brainiact.com.au. Bye everyone. Leader Talk. 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 Leader Talk.